sequels, part twos. <laughs> sometimes they're good, sometimes they suck. Every once in a while on Whiskey Business, we uh, we get into what we call a two-parter situation when we have a, a guest who's got great stories to tell, and it just can't be confined in the hour plus that we try to wrap these podcasts up in. So. If you watched last week with our good friend Charlie Weiner, uh, we're about ready to go into part two. Now, we took a little break ourselves to go outside and smoke a cigarette and collect our thoughts. We're still finishing off a shot of freedom. That was the bottle last week, and uh, this one's going to go by the wayside before it's all said and done. So thank you, Zach Hollingsworth and Scott Brown. For putting out a fine little product and continued success as you expand across the country with this. Um, for those of you who maybe skipped the first part, shame on you. Go back and watch part one before you watch part two. Uh, Freedom Whiskey Company is uh, a small batch bourbon started by two veterans who have done a fine, fine job of uh, expressing their love for the brown liquor and uh, sharing it with the rest of America. So, when we run out of that, Charlie Weiner mentioned uh, a certain whiskey that he's never had before. So, maybe, I, may, maybe I can make one of his small dreams come true before it's all said and done. As we get into part two, hi, I'm Dina Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Our guest. For part two is Charlie Weiner from Cleveland, Ohio, who drove in from Cleveland, Ohio. And you know what? That's that's part of the reason that you you drove in from Cleveland. So why not make it a two parter? Make it worth make it worth the drive. It's not that far. What's the longest you've ever driven to a gig? Well, <clears throat> to a gig or from a gig? To a, because there's two different ways. I mean, to, to, to a get, gig to a gig to get to a gig to get to a gig. I drove 24 hours. And uh, I, I was down in uh, 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 Tucson, and I drove from Tucson to uh, Squim, Squim, Washington. Squim? Squim, Washington. Squim, it's Washington. A little, it's a little, little thing, is, and it's a, it's, a, is, it's a casino up in Squim, Washington, which is, is a great gig. Is it right next to Squirm? That kind of. Squirm, Squirm, Squirm right Washington. between. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And I drove 24 hours. I got up there. I got a. I got a quick nap in and went to the. Uh, went and did the show. You did. Drove. You drove 24 hours straight. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Well, who does that? Not a lot of people, apparently. Then I've. Then I've. I've done six or seven times where I finish up on the West Coast, usually in like Medford, Oregon, or whatever, and then then I drive home, and that's 37 hours. Were you ever at a point in your career where you actually? You know, they have things called planes. What? <laughs> <laughs> They have things That's called lanes. Yes, they go up in the air and they get you to your destination way quicker. I know, but then you have to talk to people. And the thing is, I have a thing about paying somebody. <laughs> to talk to people. I mean, you to, to talk to people. You love to talk to people. I talk to people in an audience. I don't talk to, you know, although I do okay, talk to that's people interesting. all the time. That's interesting. So are you one of these comedians, performers who on stage is very extroverted? In right. fact, I was talking to my, my, my friend uh, on the break. Before we started, my, my friend Jamie wanted me to come out and have some cocktails with him. I said, we're doing a two-parter with Charlie Weiner. He goes, Charlie Weiner, why do I know that name? He goes, that's one of the guys from the Christmas show. And I go, yeah. But, you know, uh, he he goes, that's the guy on stage that's that that's funny and yells uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> all the time. So me. are you telling me that you're one of these extroverted people on stage, but when you get off stage, you're introverted and you don't really want to talk well, to people? Well, I won't say that I'm introverted, but I'm not the person I am on stage. I mean, I'm not the the person on stage is is more loud and whatever. And when I'm off stage, I'm I, I'm I, I love to my father, my grandfather. I thought they knew everybody in the world because they talked to everyone. So right. I, that's I talk to everyone, but I just but I but I'm not I'm not on. You know you know what I mean? It's like comics who are on yeah, all the time I, I and well, they're always trying to be funny and they're always trying a, to be. I just talk to people because. I thought my father always knew everybody and because they would talk to the cashier. They would talk to the whoever, the gas station. They talked to everybody. and But they just talked to them. How are you doing? Everything going on? Tell right, my whatever. dad is. So, who was that? I don't know. I just it, was talking it's to him. It's interesting yeah. it, uh, that you bring that up. because So what we see on stage right. 
I mean, because... It is me, yes. You talk about things in your life, yes. much like I do. Yes. Like, whatever, I, what, anything I do on stage is 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 derived from Based me. in reality. Based in reality. And yes. granted, sometimes an exaggeration on a theme. But nonetheless, right. but nonetheless, you know, part of who I am. So it's interesting that you consider yourself to be... You know, that's why I'm on stage. Well, and then off stage, I'm different. Okay, see, so what you you just used one word that is that is the definition of it. You tell stories that on stage. We tell stories that are on stage that are based in truth. Everything I tell you on stage is true. It's a true story. I don't make any of it up. But it's exaggerated, as well as I am. I am more exaggerated on stage than I am off stage. I, I'm I'm more flamboyant or more I'm louder I'm faster I'm whatever I'm I'm not somebody said to me one time they go you're not the same guy you are on stage I said who would want to be who would want to be like that all the time I don't want to be like that all the time I mean if you want to sit around and talk I mean I love to sit around with people and talk this is wonderful yeah but I don't have to be I don't have to be my stage persona, persona. here we can talk about whatever we want and it's a, and it's a different thing. But I think I think if you could keep those two separate, then you. My thing, I guess, my thing always was that as long as I understood that there was stage, and there was reality, that you kept them separate, and you would never buy into what people said about the guy on stage, and it kept you it kept you on an even keel because the guy off stage had to pay his bills. The guy off stage is married, has a couple kids, and they keep him on. They keep him on an even keel. The guy on stage could do whatever the hell he wants, and he's crazy, and he's wonderful, and he's right. everything else. But off, but if you start buying into that, if you start to believe, somebody told me a long, long, long time ago, never believe your own promotion. Right. No, don't believe your and own so, hype. And so that was kind of, it's kind of, it's nice I because have subs- it really, it separates <laughs> I, the two. I have subscribed to that. Right. Because I don't, I don't life. want, yes. number one, I don't want to be the guy on stage. I love the guy on stage, but I don't want to be him all the time. How do you deal with the disappointment? Not from you. No, disappointment from, from them? The, the people. Oh, no, what, uh, uh, you know, just because. Charlie Wiener gets off stage, he just killed. And right. now Charlie Wiener is more subdued and like, well, I'm still. I'm why, still. Why are you that guy? I'm not. Anymore? I'm not. I'm not like sitting there like. Uh. No, I'm still. I'm, I'm still lively, but I'm just not that. Because I'm still talking. Because still, if so I'm you're in, still. So you're still working a little bit. Right. When if you're I'm off still stage. in the room, like when I'm still talking, you're still because, working it a little bit. Old school. We were brought up that when you finished the show, you didn't run in the dressing room. You ran out the front door. Right. You ran out to the front door where everybody was leaving, and you stood there and you shook their hands and you thanked them for coming. You, to how you were still, brought up, still do and it. If you notice at the Christmas show, I'm still the guy standing out there shaking hands, thanking people because that's it. it's ingrained in me. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not like sitting there going, "Oh, thanks for coming." No, I'm. Uh, did you enjoy the no. show? You have a good time, whatever. But it's just I'm. It's 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 half the level or a quarter of the level that was on stage. How much of you is dying to get out of there? Oh, I'm never in a hurry because where are you going to go? To your hotel room by I don't yourself? Know. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, not, you know, how how soon do you need to decompress? I I have so much time to decompress. I'm in no hurry to leave. I'm no. If somebody, it's like it's like, I used to love it when I come into a room, uh, a full time room, and they go, okay, we do open mic on Tuesday, and we want you to come in and close the show. You're just going to do like a 20 minute set to close the show. Fantastic. Right. You come in and they have like. 10 comics that go out, young people. Never, some of them never been on stage. Some have been out of, whatever. They're open micers. They're just learning. And then you'd finish your show, and they would come up to you and say, would you mind talking to us? Well, I'll sit there for hours and talk to you about comedy. I love comedy. But they don't do that anymore. But I'm, so, I mean, I'm not in a hurry to run back to the what hotel. What do you mean they don't do that anymore? Because the young comics, when you, when you walk off stage after closing an open mic night, they're gone. They have their little click, and then they, they all think that they're funny. They all think they're whatever, and they all and they don't want to hear what you because you don't know anything. You're out there working. I mean, when I was coming up, when I first when I got out of the bars, I worked bars in seven in, in the seventies. The first ten years, I was doing comedy and whatever, like trying to get everything going. I was working. I'm working bars. I'm not working. I'm not working comedy clubs. There weren't any comedy clubs in the seventies, except in New York and L.A. or whatever, Chicago. So um, so I'm coming out. Uh, when I first started working the clubs, I just, just 
amazed me how many people were so pissed off that they were doing this. I'm like, are you kidding? You're the luckiest person in the world to do this. This is the greatest thing in the world. Somebody just gave you money to walk on stage to tell jokes. Are you kidding me? Or to talk about whatever. You just make people laugh for an hour. That's the greatest job in the world. So I'm no hurry to walk out of that. So what do you think? Are you disappointed in the mindset of today's comics? Yes. I am because because when I was coming up, uh, that's the point of it was when I was coming up, I talked to every feature act, every headliner that would talk to me, because I wanted I wanted to get where they were. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to, I didn't want to be where I was, and I was I was only realistically, when I started working at clubs, I opened for two weeks, and then I featured, mm-hmm. because I was coming out of and as I say, it's not that I was all great shakes. I just been performing for fifteen right. years. The hardest thing in this job is to get used to being on stage. Being well, on I, was, stage I had that. Absolutely. So then I bumped up, and then I wanted to find out how to get to the next step, to the next step, sure. to the next step. That's a, so you talk to people. Well, now they all think that they all know everything already. And it's like, don't you want to? You know, you and then they get mad at you because you criticize something. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think they know everything? Why do you think? Oh, God only knows because they're young. I don't know. I was young <laughs> once. I say, but but it's funny because a they want time, you to tell a long, long time ago. They want you to tell them how brilliant they are, and I don't do that. I because the thing that I I always tell them when they say, "What did you think of my show?" I say, "I will not comment on your material. That's your material. You have to live and by your live and die by your material. What I will comment on is your stage presentation." They're like, "Oh, I want to hear that." And I remember one time this kid goes, "What did you think of my show?" I said, "Take the phone out of your pocket." Because <laughs> what? I said, take the phone out of your bag. You get one of these big, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> the, the iPhone 10 right, right here that I have right here. Yeah. Okay, he had that, and, well, he had it, and he had it in his front pocket. Okay, now, you know, if you're, I said, when you were on there, the whole five minutes you were on there, all I could do is stare at that thing in your pocket. And he just looks at me and goes, oh, whatever. And he walks away. Well, oh. and, and I was going to so bring that up. I, I, I feel like um, to the younger comedians that I've seen are about, I want to get a Netflix special. Right. I'm going to be a YouTube star. They don't have that, like you say, that old school grind that you well, guys I think have what, had. What they've forgotten it, it is not about you. The least important person in that room is you. Is it sure. what they've forgotten, or is or it how taught they never learned? They never yeah. learned right. because yeah. they've grown up in a whole different time. I so said the best part of the whole story I was telling you was that a year later, I get I get a text message or whatever something on Facebook. The kid goes, I don't know if you remember me. But I was at open mic night with you, and you told me about the phone in my pocket, and I basically told you to go screw off. Uh-huh. He goes, uh, he goes, the other day I was watching a video of myself. He goes, all I could do is turn this fucking phone. He goes, I just wanted you to know that I, I get it now. I'm like, okay, well, that's all I was trying to. Right, I'm not well, trying to. I'm really not trying to be success. an ass about this. You asked, and I'm telling you, this is a distraction. And when you are on stage, there are so many distractions happening in a room. Don't bring more. You're, yeah, you're already don't, dealing don't, with this. Don't add to Make it, 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 it take all distractions out of everything, and, you know. But they all, nobody taught them, and nobody, and they all think it's like it's all about me. And I gotta be honest. As soon as I walk in the room, I know the only person that this is not about is me. Yeah. It's about it's about the wait staff. It's about the people in the seats. It's about everybody else in that room. And way down the bottom of the chain is whether I had a good time or not. I remember when I f- first started out, I was very fortunate in that I got to, you know, we mentioned uh, in part one, which you should all which go back and watch. Which you should have been watching. There will the, be a uh, test. I, I, we mentioned that, uh, <laughs> I said I, I didn't want to begrudge some of the great opening you know, acts, acts that we opened up for, but I had the, I had the good fortune to open up for a lot of, of, right. of now famous and infamous comedians. Uh, one of them was Jerry Seinfeld. Right. When he was this before his show, uh, before Seinfeld, and he was just, you know, uh, a club comic right. headlining. And I remember sitting in the green room with him getting an education. And he watched, Jerry, you'll never <laughs> see this podcast, <laughs> but, but uh, he watched my set and he said, you know, he, he we were in agreement, and he told me what well, that'll be your first television bit, right? <laughs> right. That's my bad Jerry Seinfeld impression. Well done. That'll Thank be you. your first TV bit. The thing with the right. motorcycle. That'll be your first TV bit. That was very, very funny. And but 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 I listened. I listened to him. 
I and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not bragging here, but I'm. I'm I was, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I I listened to him. I listened to Paul Reiser, one of my uh, uh, dearest friends who, who who passed away that I learned so much from was Robert Schimmel. Oh, Schimmel you know, was Schimmel was yeah. Robert Schimmel uh, taught me. Lenny Clark, right? Lenny Clark got me into the comedy store in right. in, in Los Angeles when I moved out to L.A. Uh, these are people who I I. I wanted their right. opinions, their 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 time, their attention, any their knowledge, their anything that they that they right. that they knew, right? You know, and I listened. I mean, so, um, yeah. I mean, but it's a different time now. It is a different time, and I just think it's sad because it's like I know it's like, I mean, there's still a lot of maybe not as old as I am, but there's still a lot of comics that have been working a long time, hundred seven, <laughs> that uh, that that love this like I do. And I said, I, I that always kind of drove me nuts when I was coming into the clubs and stuff, these guys that I'm working with that were just so bitter about whatever. And I'm like, you're headlining, you're making money, you're doing, you know, like it's like you're getting a chance to do something. But, but, but they're always willing to share something. Right. You know, and, and, and I am more than happy to give you any information I can give you, whatever I can give you. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. I mean, you're at the beginning of your career and I love, I, I said, you can learn so much from watching open micers or watching people that you think are not you, not well, they're not my caliber. I still learn from them. I, learn, I, I sometimes I learn what not to do. I get excited when I, I actually see uh, younger talent oh. going up there and and crushing and, it. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. And, and then like, you get to watch them as they come up through their career and stuff yeah, over come, over 10, 15 years, and you see them hit a plateau, and then you see them make that jump, and they make that jump, and it's like great. it's so it's cool. It's like it's oh my god, that's cool. so cool. And some people would be bitter and jealous and envious, but I, oh, no. I, I am not. I mean, like uh, there's a couple guys here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, that uh, that are are just phenomenal uh, phenomenal killing it yeah i'll say their names jason banks oh yeah jason i love mike paramore uh-huh you know these yeah. are these are guys that that they get it and also are still smart enough to to listen right but i mean that's i, I think that's that's the problem in, either, in a lot they, of things that people either they listen to us to learn right. from our mistakes or listen to us to learn from our experiences right because we've made mistakes. You mentioned in part one, which once again you should go back and listen to. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. We we we, we mentioned uh, earlier that sometimes comedians, performers are their own worst enemies. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned uh, in respects to your writing and and the music and and also comedy. You 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 kind of broached the 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 topic of depression. Right. Do you suffer from depression? Yes, I've suffered from depression my whole life, since I can remember. I've literally since I can remember since I was certainly the early teens. I mean, I, I have suffered from depression. And why do you think that is? is Chemical it, imbalance. I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I don't know. There's probably a lot of reasons that uh, that we we search for ways to fight it, um, but usually we choose the wrong path. Because I, I will admit that I. Have suffered from it, right. and and continue to suffer from it. Um, I will always have it. I mean, that's the, the thing. I think it's it's kind of like it's like it's like alcoholism. The first the first step is accepting the fact that I have depression and not denying I have depression. Have you ever you been know, treated for it? No. Well, I did once when I was going through a really bad divorce, and uh, and I was I was suicidal. I was I was I I was done. I I had it, and that was it. And. Uh, Music was, you know, not, things were not going well, and I was going through depression and through whatever. And I went and uh, went to a, you know, a, a psychologist, psychiatrist for a while, and she saved my life. So you were suicidal. Yeah, you thought about oh. it. Oh yeah. I oh, mean, I don't think I think I, you know, when you when you say you thought about it, I mean, did you, you think I might want to kill myself, or this is how I'm going to kill myself? Oh, I've, I've how. How are you going to do it? Oh yeah, how? Well, mine has always been uh, always because uh, I do it. Mine has always been <laughs> my top my, my top favorite. reason. My, my, yeah, yeah, my top way. My top way. My thing yeah, is always like I'm only going to do it once. So listen, <laughs> run into it like a bridge abutment. What? A bridge abutment. Just crank that crank the vehicle up because because I've spent I, I guess because I've spent my whole life a in bridge? a bridge. 
bridge abutment. You know the the the, the thing the, that the, the, did you go off the side of the road on? No, no, the uh, the ones that the stop uh, the, the thing that holds the bridge up. Oh, the okay. All right. Those are called bridge abutments. All right. And they're solid. They're uh, concrete. They're big. They're round. And you're just and gonna if you hit them going just, ninety miles an hour. You're done. And what if you're not? Well, yeah. that's always you know. I don't know because I haven't done it yet. So fill your car <laughs> so up hopefully. with gasoline all on the front seat. No, I'm sorry, sorry. But I, I mean, so you know, I, I, <laughs> I've been through. You know, I've, I've. Is it less now or more as you get older? It's, it's. I don't think it's less or more. I think it's the same. I think that my depression has stayed the same. I, I. I realistically, I fight my depression with writing. I fight my depression with creating. I okay, fight my okay, depression with okay. whatever. All right, I'm so this call. is how I'm going to say. Uh, uh, but this is I'm going to say. This is how I fight it. Is creativity is the thing that I latch onto. Performing is what I latch onto. But what a vicious circle! Because you said you fight but, it with writing, because then you finish a book, book and you, as we mentioned and in you, part one, and you die. And, then, and, and you mentioned depression. in part one of this yes. podcast that after you get done with the book, you go through depression because yes. the book's done. Yes. What a vicious fucking circle. Oh yes. Oh. With Without a doubt, without a doubt, it's a vicious cycle. But that's depression. But see, that's what people don't understand is that, is that my wife knows that I suffer from depression and she could tell. And she, she, you know, she, she doesn't like, what are you so sad about? See, this, this is the problem when you get into depression is that people are like, how come you're so sad? I'm not sad. I'm depressed. I'm fighting, I am fighting some what demons What do you consider right to be the difference? I think sad is because... Uh, because your girlfriend left you. Sad is because sad is because you're, 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 you're almost you're, you're, out of booze. Yeah, sad, sad because is because <laughs> your dog died. Dog died. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Depression is something that there doesn't have to be a reason for depression. It doesn't have to be because the book is done. It doesn't have to be because I'm off stage. It doesn't have to be for any reason. Depression comes when depression will. It's an ugly demon. It's an ugly demon. It's an ugly demon, and, and I think it. I think it looks for opportunities to fucking. Oh yeah. Put your hooks. Oh, in it's you. looking for the crack. It's it's like water. Depression is like water, because water will find a way in. Mm-hmm. Always. That's depression a great, will find a, a way in. That's a great. You could be having the greatest day of your life, and depression will. And, and you, but you. I mean, I've had it. I've had it for over fifty years. Okay, and so I'm I'm pretty good at recognizing when it's starting. I'm pretty good at recognizing that it's happening, and I'm pretty good at knowing whether I can fight it off or if I'm going to have to ride the rapids. And if I have to ride the rapids, then I have to buckle down, put on my life vest, and just get through it. I'm going to get through it. Were you ever on medication? No. See, I was. See, and did it help? Did there you was, like it or no? There was a period of time. This is before your your run, Hansberry, at the at the radio station um, in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. I think you might have talked about this with uh, with um, not. I mean, not to interrupt. Keep going, but with no, our no, Christmas episode or um, seasonal. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the seasonal I, 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 I disorder. Yeah, uh, Lowenstein. We, we, had, we, we, one we of our first episodes. Yeah, there was a period of time. Where I, I went to work, but once I got done with work, I, I couldn't get off the couch. And the particular uh, doctor I was with uh, put me on uh, Effexor, which mm-hmm. was a really uh, and a big fucking elephant dose of it. Right. It got me off the couch. Right. But what it did... While it got me off the couch, it got me functioning in daily life. It made me extremely ambivalent about everything. Right. I mean, I I didn't care. Right, just didn't I, care. I, I, I didn't get right. upset. Right. I, I didn't get sad, but I also didn't get happy. But you're just, you're just but, right, but you're excited. not happy either. I didn't get excited. Right. I was just functioning. Right. And I remember... Um, going to Indianapolis and, and doing a gig. And I got halfway to Indy, and I realized that I forgot my medication. And I kind of panicked a little bit. Uh, and I, I, I did the, it was a Thursday through Sunday gig. Took a Friday off from the radio station, because at that point I was just a co-host, so nobody was missing me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Uh, uh, and, and I remember uh, Thursday was okay. Friday... I I was getting a little shaky, and then 
uh, and because I, I didn't go back and get the medication, I would have been right. late for the gig. And then uh, after I got through Saturday, I was I, I I don't know how I got through it, but I got through it. But when I woke up on Sunday morning, there was this parting of the clouds, whatever if you want you want right. to call it, uh, and I woke up feeling way different than I'd felt in a, in a long, long time. Proceeded to do one of the best shows I'd ever done, in in my opinion. Right. Uh, that at least for that weekend right. on well, Sunday sure. night, and and I felt I felt something again. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let me just say this to those people who suffer from depression and also take medication: don't do what I did. Because what I did was stupid. Because it was extremely stupid and dangerous. So this is if there if there's a, if there's such a thing as a PSA in a podcast, uh, if you can, if, <laughs> if you can wean yourself off of your medication and and get to a better place, that's great. But don't stop cold turkey because right. that's what I did. I, I once I felt that way, I stopped taking the effector. And like I said, it was an elephant dose of effector. Right. And I stopped taking it. And I was just lucky, just lucky. That's all. That 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 I didn't crash and right. burn harder than I'd ever been. Right. I was very fortunate. Because when I went to my doctor and he was looking at my charts and he goes, um, you didn't, did you not pick up your medication? And I go, I went, no, I, I stopped taking it. He goes, what do you mean you stopped taking it? <laughs> he goes, I go, what do you mean you stopped taking it? I go, and I told him the story I right. just told you. And he was a friend of mine, and we went to college together. We grew up in Steubenville together, and, and he was shaking his head. He goes, you were on 350 milligrams of Effexor. Right. I said, yeah. He goes, I have patients who are on 15 milligrams of Effexor, <laughs> and if they don't take it, they want to put a gun in their mouth. Right. Do you realize the danger you put yourself in? And I did not. No. But I, I, I think about it now. I've not been on medication since. I still suffer and fight the demons right. as we speak. And I, I like much like you, I realize, uh, how am I going to ride out the rapids this time? Because... I and be, because I don't want to go back to ambivalent. Mm-hmm. No. I don't. I, I don't want to go back to See, not not feeling. That was so. You have to find other ways to ask, deal with it. When you ask me why, like if I've ever been on medication, no, because because that's everyone that I know that has had depression or whatever else and takes medication. I hear basically it just keeps you like any. I don't want that. So I have found I have found what works for me. For I do you. not tell other people to do this. I no, do not, whatever. There else. are some people but that need the medication. Is is. I go for a walk. I go for. I do something physical. I I force myself to really. Go out the couch. You, you do I some. You force do some... myself to do whatever, and I swear to God, the physical activity because the physical activity gets everything flowing, and then all of a sudden, while I'm out there walking the dog for a couple miles, or I'm out doing whatever, then all of a sudden, oh, a song idea will come. Oh, the book idea will come. Oh, something will come. Now everything's moving. Now everything's else. clicking again. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden that 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 that. That that misfire I had going here, all of a sudden somebody put a new plug in there, and and I'm and I'm okay again for a while. Sometimes my misfires though prevent me from from wanting to even do that stuff. Can, can well, let me, they, I, I, let me ask I, a question. They they stop you from wanting to. What you have to do is recognize after so many years of saying I have to do this now. All right. What? Well, let me just let me just before we move on. Let me just be very very clear about anybody who is suffering from depression or is on medication. Right. We are not encouraging you to stop your medication. No. There are some no, people no, no, no. that need their medication. Do not take this as a tutorial right. on how to conquer your depression. It is not. Everybody is different. So we're not saying... We're talking about what worked for us. What would work for, for us, us for individually. Two, so just let me be explicitly right. clear right. in that. Because I know people... Who suffer from well, depression like, oh, we or can on do medication, this too. No, you and can't. when they have stopped taking I'm gonna their get medication, a dog. Oh. real quick, real, and not to dwell on this too long. I mean, because I know people of all walks of life suffer from depression. But what is it with the creatives? There always seems to be something with us that um, 
it strikes harder or we're more receptive to it. No, it's just because, um, you're, because you're not on the same, you're not on the same plane. You're not on the same, you don't think of things the same way other people do. Your brain is wired differently or you wouldn't do this. If you, if you didn't, if your brain wasn't completely screwed up, if your brain wasn't completely wired <laughs> if backwards, you, worked, if you, you would worked. get up every morning and you would go to a job <laughs> that somebody gave you a paycheck, a decent paycheck at the end of the week with, a, with benefits and retirement and, and insurance and all the things that you want. Instead, you're like, you know something? If I drive 500 miles, then I can walk on a stage and do a show for an hour, pick up $200 and drive back because there's no hotel. That's a good idea. Okay, because... It's just stupid. You're already wired wrong it's anyway. stupid. You're wired wrong. <laughs> we are wired wrong. Every, every... Fair enough. I love to hear people, people artists or, or musicians or comedians, or, and I'm surrounded by all these people because I do everything, and they go, well, I just don't... Of course you don't understand it. Of course you don't understand because you can't think like they do. See, because a lot of people I know, and I think a lot... Here's, here's another problem with some of the young comics. It's like they're just doing it, and they don't really do... They've never really had to get up and really go to work. And I've done all kinds of shit. So have I. So have I. And when you've done that, when you've got, you are far more forgiving of a tired crowd because I know what it took for you to get here. I dug those ditches. I chopped the trees. I did all that stuff. I painted the houses. I I I, I worked on this docks. I did whatever. I was a mechanic. You name it, I've done it. And it's like, so I understand these people. And I also understand that I, I can't, I can't do what you do. You're not going to answer because I'll go insane. Yeah, I will go insane if I do what you do, and you can't do what I do. And thank God, because then I'd be out of a job. (laughs) But I mean, but that's what it is. is You have to understand, none of us are the same. We don't want all to be the same, and I don't want to be wired like they are. I, I, I will, I will take my depression. I will take the fact that I will get no social security. I will take the fact that I've given up all these things because of what I I was allowed to do. I will give it all up because I was allowed to walk out on stage. I made people laugh. I made people. I made people cry with a song. I made people do whatever, and, and or I didn't make them. I, I allowed that to happen, or whatever it is. I I will give up everything that you have for that, and I've had well I've, I've had my whole life. And I literally will get very hardly anything for Social Security. I have no <laughs> retirement. I have no nothing, and that's okay with me. The best day of my life was a couple of years ago. My wife and I were sitting around. She was trying to figure out our retirement. And all of a sudden, she's figuring this out. And she looks at me and she goes, you'll never retire, will you? No. I said, no, I won't. Why would I? I, I said, mean, why not, would I not, stop not doing the, what the, I love Not in the conventional do? sense where you stop right. working, creating. I mean, the, the I mean, business has almost retired me in the fact that I'm only working a couple nights a week. Well, you know what? That's what I work. I work a couple nights a week and I do whatever I can and I build it up and I... But no, why would you? Why would you stop doing what you love? Would you consider me? Because even though I left the I left the radio station almost a year ago. Right. And would you? And and, and the term that's that's thrown out there is, I retired. You're you not consider, retired. You consider me retired? No, no, no. You're doing this, doing and that. you're, and you guys got a hold of me about doing a show with you and and, and Swarty, and, and it was like I couldn't do it. I was so disappointed I could not be on that show. Yeah. But I mean, so you're no, you know, no, you're just doing retired. something else. Else. And that's all it is. It's like, you don't have to, you can stop doing what you're doing. I said, there was an article in the paper about how sad it was that all these baby boomers retire and then they have to work. No, they're not. They don't have, they're doing things they want to now because they can. They put in their 40 years and now they get to do whatever they want to do. And that's the wonder, that is the freedom I have had since 1978. That's a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing. It's fantastic. Despite the depression, despite all the oh, all, you know all, all, the, all the trappings that come along I'm with it. I'm guessing without the depression, I wouldn't be what I am. I don't know. I don't is know. It, I assume is it, it's all part of the thing. That's an interesting... And so that's without an, that, maybe that's where the creativity comes from. Maybe that's where... The, there's, uh, uh, there's one of the guys in the American stories who goes on about depression and stuff like that. And somebody goes, how'd you write that? I go, well, uh, I know a guy. <laughs> and, and for those of you know a guy that's kind of did got skip it. part one we talked about this in part but I'm one but like, I, I, I mean I just I think that I think that what we are is all of this all of this insanity that that makes it's it's what we are and to deny any of that or to try to say well you know I, I don't want to take a pill 
that stops me from creating. I don't want to take a pill because because I, I apparently I need the depression to create. That's the only thing I can figure. It's a nasty little formula, it's horrible, isn't it? It's a horrible thing. It's a nasty but, you know, little but, formula. But once you understand that, once you know what it is, and what if 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 everyone would have left Robin Williams alone to deal with his depression and not force him to try to be Robin Williams all the time. Okay, here, let me tell you. They wanted Robin Williams to be Robin Williams on stage all the time. And they were upset when he wasn't Robin Williams on the stage. So mm-hmm. Robin Williams tried to be Robin Williams all the time. And you know what? Nobody's that all the time. No. So what you did is you kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and saying, that's why, that's why I love to have this, this separation of this is me on stage, this is me off stage, this is me at home. I mean, these are all different levels. And I love to have all those levels because if I have to try to push myself to be Charlie Weiner on stage all the time, I will go insane. It's maddening. And I don't want that. This is, the, you got that for an hour or an hour and a half or however the hell long I was on there. That was yours. Okay, now this, we're going to bring this down a little bit and then we're going to bring it down some more. And that is where I find, you know, I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to try to be something I'm not. My, my, well, my wife got a job at this new place she's working at. She's been there 10 years. They had a Christmas party or something, and we had to go. <laughs> we had to, we had to, we had and to I, go. I hate going to these things because the same thing happens. I sit over in a corner with a drink and just like I, I talk to people or whatever, but it's like so one of these people comes up to my wife and they goes, oh, it's your husband over in the corner? And they're like, Yeah. <laughs> And they go, uh, who, what is it? Dude, I know. We've, <laughs> all, we've all been in the right? corner. Right? We've all, all been, been in the corner. corner. And, they're, and they're like, we've what is it that he does? She goes, he's a professional comedian. Oh. And the guy goes, well, I was talking to him. He doesn't seem that funny. No, <laughs> right. Oh, my so, God. Yes. Okay, so. Oh, wait, I, how many? Finish. Yes. And my wife looks at me and she goes, uh, He's not working. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. A, he's not, he's not on that, stage right now. Because because she knows that. I get that She all doesn't time. want me to be that guy either. Say something funny. I get. Oh, yeah. say something funny. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, God. I said my always favorite thing when somebody goes say something funny. I go, nice to meet you. <laughs> and they just stare at you. I go. That's not all gold. That's, 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 <laughs> it's not all gold, Jerry. But I mean, I, you know. <laughs> Right. But that's that's what you have to understand is that if 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 everyone will allow if everyone allows those of us that suffer or those of us that are artists or creative or whatever else our time and not try to force us to be what you want us to be right we're okay we're okay we're okay we understand you know I I know when I'm on stage I'm all yours. I'll give you every. I'll give you every ounce that I got. No, I yeah. It's like I, the Bob Seger song. Turn dude, the page, dude. I've watched you do that for years. You know, and, yeah. but but when I'm done, I'm done. That's okay. I want to go have a drink now, just like you do. It's <laughs> just, like <you> <laughs> just like I do, or just like all of us. I think it's good that you have the comedy, but you also have these other outlets. You have the writing, and you have the music. And I want to get into the music because we said this at the end of part one that Charlie would break out his guitar and and play us something a little whiskey related. Okay. So get it get uh, it up is, there. Uh, this is I have to tell you this is a uh, Let's let's a friend of mine, Let's step away from the depression for a moment a friend, well, and play something de- lively. A, no, this is a <laughs> now for something song. completely different. Something lively instead of No, 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 no. Is this a sad song? Well, yeah, because, All right, because We'll play a sad one then we'll play something lively. We'll play something lively. <laughs> this a while back, a friend of mine said, you write all those honky-tonk kind of songs, you know, like about drinking and sad and whatever. Because did you ever try to write a George Jones song? I said, well, no, he's dead. <laughs> Why would you write a George Jones song? He goes, I think you could write a George Jones song. So he challenged me to write a George Jones song. And, uh, and uh, then we had a George Jones night at the Gar Hall where I... I told people I'd written this George Jones song. They're like, well, I've written a George Jones song, but I've written a George Jones song. So we had like a George Jones night where you had to play a George Jones song and then a song you wrote that George Jones should have done. They should have done. Oh, that's kind of cool. So this is the one that I wrote. This is the one that George George Jones should have done. Should have done. Excuse me, bartender. I left something behind. It was a few years ago. Walked in full of pride She said she'd be waiting To begin our new life 
Empty bar, empty bottle, empty dreams, empty lives. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> Go on. That's why I like dark bar rooms where you can't see me cry. And the sad song on the jukebox drowns each sob and sigh. These bourbon-soaked tears rain down from my eyes. Blurred, torn, tattered pictures and a yellow letter goodbye. I'm chasing memories while I lose my mind Ghosts come alive just about closing time Well, I haunt these old barrooms each night until three Searching each bottle for my lost dignity yeah, right? Been there. Well, she said Chad, she'd love me till the end of old time. I guess time must have stood still when she looked in his eyes. <laughs> now promises with her like grapes on the vine. And the future tastes bitter as yesterday's wine. Nice. Yeah, I'm chasing memories while I lose my mind. Ghosts come alive just about closing time. Well, I haunt these old barrooms each night until three. Searching each bottle for my lost dignity. It was a vow witnessed by friends, family, and God. Forsaking all others till death do us part. I guess the death that she spoke of was the love in her heart. <laughs> now I'm slowly dying, bar after bar. <laughs> yeah, I'm chasing memories while I lose my mind. Ghosts come alive just about closing time. Well, I haunt these old barrooms each night until three. Searching each bottle for my lost dignity. Yeah, I'm searching each bottle for my lost dignity. Yeah. That's true. Oh, that's awesome. That's that, yeah. You know, <laughs> right there. Uh, George awesome. Jones might come back from the dead. Yeah, okay. I got to we'll record that one. <laughs> that's awesome. I was very proud of that. Oh, uh, well, you whatever. should be. Yeah, it's, it's, it should it's like, be. It's like, I love, it's, it's like the great joy that, that brings you out of whatever is finding that word or that phrase, whether it's a book or whether it's a comedy bit or whether it's a song that just just it fits it just it's like you're looking for that just whatever yeah. and you find it and it's like you just walk around you're just smiling because it's like yeah and it's like it's funny because i'll be taking the I, I, I do a lot of writing when i'm driving all night right when i'm driving for sure because because nobody could get a hold of you and nobody will call you at night because they're sleeping or when i take the dog for walks it's just me and the dog and we talk you know and uh and so it's like you just have time to just like let everything percolate and all of a sudden it's, all of a sudden it'll come to you and it's like and so now you just have to just like, i'm like oh my god we still got another mile and a half to walk and i just have to keep like repeating 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 <laughs> right, for like 40 right. minutes so, so i get home and, go, and i walk in and i go 
the hell was it? Oh, what? Oh, yeah. I hate that when that happens. You lose it for a second. You know, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, with with music and with comedy, you know, if if it comes to you at three o'clock in the morning, you wake up and you got this great line, this comedy line or or music line, whatever it is, you got to write it down. I have pads of paper next to my bed. Me too. And my wife accepts the fact that sometimes I'm, that's just the way it is. But when I was writing the books, if an idea would come to me in the middle of the night about where this story should go, I'd go right back to sleep, wake up, and I'd remember exactly what it was that I... I don't know why it is with the books as opposed to like music or comedy, but it sticks with me. Do you, now, uh, in part one, in which part one. you need to... Uh, you have to, to watch, yeah, watch yeah, part, part one. Part one was brilliant. Stuff, yeah. We get naked and everything. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we talked about your uh, more serious records. Do you, ha- you have comedy records, uh, I would assume, or no? I have comedy, yes, I have comedy CDs, records, I have CDs, stand-up yeah. comedy records. And stuff. But but no comedy... Uh, well, I had funny music, I think. I You know, I, I have things that I thought were funny. You know, that, that I mean, it's when like you, were, you, can't when you, have, you can't have an album called 12 Inches Wiener. What? I mean, my first probably three albums... What was that song? Was it called 12 Inches of Wiener? No, the song never been... No, it was called Nobody Loves You When You're in Jail. That that was that was on twelve. That was the one that played twice. That's the one. Yeah, uh, we referred to that in the first part. Once right, again, so I don't want to belabor the point. Really. To him. I don't, but but uh, so let's let's that one. Right, let's sure. let's let's play that one. This that, is this is the one. Nineteen seventy eight. I wrote this nineteen seventy seven. And this is the one that got played twice. Got played twice, and then they played. I swear to God, my favorite thing is I'm. So now MMS like a month later, or whatever is, and they've been playing a lot of my stuff at this point. So they they go. They're having a contest to win tickets to whatever. They go, you have to identify the artist. (laughs) So I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, they start playing one of my songs. I swear to God, I pulled over to the first phone booth I found, and I started dialing the number because somebody's going to win it. I thought it was fake being somebody else because I was afraid nobody would get that it was me. Right. But somebody won. Somebody won, other than you. So apparently I was okay. Validation. So this is called? It's called Nobody Loves You When You're in Jail. All right. Well, nobody loves you when you're in jail Nobody loves you when you need bail I just try to find a friend On whom you thought you could depend Nobody loves you when you're in jail Well, you're going down the road and you're going kind of fast And this cop comes up, says, pull it old friend Get out of that car, coming along with me we figure it won't belong to you, get out, because you got a lot of friends with a whole lot of clout, and they call them up and they say, just leave us be. Well, that's because nobody loves you when you're in jail. Nobody loves you when you need bail. I just try to find a friend on whom you thought you could depend. Nobody loves you when you're in jail. <laughs> Then you're sitting at a bar and you're trying to get tight, and this guy comes up, says you've been with my wife, so you reach for the nearest thing, bottle of beer. <laughs> well, swing it round and you hit him in the head, and the doc says, oh, this man is dead, and all your friends say, why don't you stay clear? <laughs> well, that's because nobody, nobody loves you when you're in jail. jail. Nobody loves you when you need bail. I just try to find a friend on whom you thought you could depend Nobody loves you when you're in jail. Then there's a fella came home one night and found his woman with another guy, blew them both away with a 44. When the judge asked him why he killed his wife when he could have walked right out of her life, said he didn't want to get in them headaches anymore. <laughs> and nobody loves you when you're in jail. <laughs> nobody <laughs> loves you when you're in jail. Just try to find a friend. On whom you thought you could depend Nobody loves you when you're in jail So just think of this here little piece of advice Or you drive too fast or start a fight Sometimes it is better to forgive and forget So if your woman's been treating you unkind Hell, there's lots more who wouldn't mind Just remember, in jail there's only men (laughs) Nobody loves you when you're in jail At least not the right kind Nobody loves you when you're in jail just try to find a friend on whom you thought you could depend. Nobody loves you. They're not thinking of you. Nobody loves you when you're in jail. Yeah. Right. You know you know who could have recorded that who's also dearly departed? And that could have been a greatest hit on one of his Jerry Reed. Oh yeah. Jerry Reed could have recorded that one. 
Big time. Well, we were sending it out to different people. I thought I thought Commander Cody was going to do it for a while, mm. and uh, but yeah, like no Jerry Reed's first thing popped yeah, in my Jerry head. Jerry Reed would have been. Uh, oh, he wanted him. And, he would have kicked ass oh, with that. He, he because he's ass. such a good guitar player anyway. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, but just so that's I mean, so it's like that was the one that was nineteen seventy eight, and the other one was a little later, and or actually that's a newer song, and so it's like it's just. But I, I don't try to write. Somebody said to me, they go, "What kind of music do you write?" So I write all different kinds of music. Yeah, and they're like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "But when I play it, it's country." <laughs> when you play it, it's country. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, I just whatever I write, it comes out country. Well, or you know, Americana shit. Now. You just put two out here on uh, on our podcast, and it'll be uh, something to listen to, and on YouTube as well. So who knows? Maybe, maybe someone will come across and say, "I want to record that song." I want to record that old bastard. Mm-hmm. All right, and well, I would, you know, the funny thing is, I told people, I, my wife, like, what if somebody started doing your songs? What would you do? I said, I'll keep writing songs. Keep. I said because I, I said if I could, I swear to God, I think I'd sit at home anymore, and just write. Because yeah. I love to write. I mean, I love, I love to write. And uh, if if I could find people, if you could make a living sitting at home writing books, writing songs, writing whatever, isn't that a great? Then the best way to sit at home and just wait for the checks to come in the mailbox. <laughs> The Freedom Whiskey is gone. but What? I the, like the, the Freedom Whiskey. The, uh, the dog tag on the Freedom of Whiskey is, well, is yeah, kind man. of I mean, these are guys, these, these, uh, Zach Hollingsworth and Scott Brown are, are... And what does it say? I didn't really read it. Bottle it was, for Ohio, the Buckeye State. Cool. It just tells you the batch number and the bottling date, which was uh, January 23rd of this year. That's cool. Year. You can put that on the keychain or you do can, whatever you, you want. Whatever you want yeah. with it. No, it's been It's great. a bonus when you it's buy it. It's been very whiskey. good. Um, we've... We've talked about a lot of interesting things over these two parts of this parts. podcast. Uh, part one, part and, one and, was and brilliant. Part, part one was unbelievable, <laughs> and part two was uh, part, part two. Is part three is going to be part good. Three is gonna be, oh, oh my god, that's the one that takes us to the big time. <laughs> I mean, there, there'll be no part three. <laughs> no, but there might be a revisit with you somewhere down. Well, the line. I would love to do it. This but, is fun. This is so much fun. You guys, did you enjoy know, yourself? Because you know uh, there was there was bourbon and there was talk. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, there was a lot of there's a lot of good stuff involved with this. And my I wife told me just to behave myself, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell that means. Well, and what does that mean? So we go <laughs> in with that one. And you mentioned something uh, in nope. the in in the break in yes. between before we actually started doing part two about an elusive bourbon that you've not tried. Yes, I did, Pappy Van Winkle. I've heard nothing but. I'm just it's like this is the this is the of of bourbons or whatever. Oh my God! See it? It's the there Winkle it guy. It's a bottle of twelve year, and I think this is my way of saying thank you. Well, thank. You. This is fantastic. Of uh, for being here tonight and and doing uh, two podcasts with us, part one. Which you already know. <laughs> it's oh, no, it's no, great. Part one. Uh, so we will close part two with what some people consider to be the holy grail of bourbons. I am not. Uh, you, give not John, you, give John you give John more. You give John more. You need to get. <laughs> you can't. I will separate I, come you. Come on. Till we get no home. No fair. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the Van the Van Winkle is is it's, is is beautiful bourbon. It really is. But it re, no 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 buts. It is. I'm wearing a big button there. No, no. The, the, here's the butt. Here's the button. Even the people from from uh, family Van Winkle will tell you they don't like that their product. It takes a long time to make their whiskey. Yeah, and they don't like the fact that their product is exploited and sold on secondary markets right. for an outrageous amount of monies. They don't care for that at all. Good for them. They don't care for that at all. Um, they also make the Weller, which is very easily accessible now in the state of Ohio. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, when you get a hold of the the twelve year, or even the ten year at this point, um, there's some people that are watching. I can't believe he's just just well, just so willy nilly. Well, I was going to say. Let, let me chime in here. You you uh, walk the walk, man, and talk. You talk the talk and walk the walk. You know, Dina. One of his thing is uh, artists for collecting. 
whiskey is for yeah, drinking. That was uh, yeah, yeah. Right. And collect art, drink whiskey yeah, is what so, I always say. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I never had uh, Van Winkle, but this will be the third time I've had it, and all three times is just because of good friends uh, so, and conversation where he wanted to share it with with people who would enjoy. My, it. We, were at, my, we were at Tamarack Cellars one time, which is my wife's my wife's a sommelier, so she's a wine person. She loves wine. And we're at this, uh, it, it's funny because the, uh, we've heard so much about Tamarack, and so we're out in Walla Walla, and I saw, well, it's Walla, it's in Walla Walla, let's go find the Tamarack. And so we're driving around, and it's like, there's this, all of a sudden we wind up, we're like by the airport, little airport they have there, and there's just all these buildings and stuff. And I go, this is the place, I go, this is the right number or whatever. Well, she goes, all right, well, she goes, I go, go look and see if it's a, she goes walking in and she goes, it's somebody's garage. <laughs> I'm sitting here sort of going, no, you're in the right place. Come yeah. on in. Come on in. And so we go in and we're sitting there, we're talking. And you walk in, there's a, there's a taste it with like the guy's cars, like a Jeep or old, old like old beat up Jeep. There's all these huge placards of the ratings of their wines. Now everybody has those hanging on. They're, they're just thrown off to the side and just got whatever. And, uh, so we had just had a great time with the guy, and just had, it was wonderful. And so I gave him a few CDs, like you know, you play music here, you go play some music, and uh, and so he signed a bottle for us, of, you know, whatever. He goes, I want you guys to have this, and he signed it because he's the winemaker. He's, you know, we're talking now the winemaker. He goes, well, take that, and I go, well, there's one we can't open. He goes, give it back, give it back. He goes, I didn't give it to you to look at. We don't make wine for you to look at. Uh, I'm like, well, give it back because we will drink it. We then. will drink it because that's and, not what you make this. And for. We will drink the 12 year van. My so, my only point being is that in in the whiskey world right now, there are so many people doing so many wonderful right? things with the brown liquor that while this is an exceptional bourbon, without a doubt, there are so many other good oh, ones as well. Fantastic bourbons the, out there. There's so many great bourbons, but the fact that you've never had this. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah, there's a reason why it is what it is. Smooth, good, just yeah, you know, solid. Just, that's wonderful. Solid. And I'm glad you didn't shoot it. <laughs> you, you did put it in a shot glass. You were asking oh, for no. it, Dino. Right, right. You, you are asking for it by putting it in the shot glass. <laughs> well, here, you got some more. It's like when you pour somebody a really, a really nice wine that you like, and they just go, well, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're supposed to, you want to enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> Not even that expensive, but it's, it, you want to enjoy it a little bit. I've been saving that bottle. <laughs> right. Um, on, let me sign that bottle for you. You can take it with you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up. I wanna I wanna thank uh, your wife. I wanna thank my wife. I wanna thank your <laughs> wife. No, seriously. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned a divorce earlier in your life. Yeah, I've, I've been married a couple times. A couple times, but this one's thirty-five years. Thirty-five in, years. Thirty-five years and counting. Yeah. And uh, I think I think a little a little shout out to her as well. She is the finest person I've ever met in my life. Wow. Who, you know, Cheers. Who, who you you know? Congratulations to you for getting it right. And <laughs> and so so what's her name? Nancy. Nancy. Well, it's Mumford. Everybody just calls her. She was Mumford when I met her. Mumford. Because that's her, that's her family name. It's Mumford. Like M-U-M-F-O-R-D. It's not her first name. No, but that, well, everybody calls her Mumford. Name, everybody has called her Mumford since I've known her. Uh-huh. So when we got married, she goes, I'll marry you. It took her forever because she's like, I'll never marry you. You are such an ass. And then uh, then she said, well, all right, I'll marry you, but I keep Mumford. I go, that's fine. That's who you are. That's, that's right. who you are. To take that away would be insane. That's who you've been. That's 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 that is a defining that that defines you as much as anything about you. The reason I, after uh, spending two hours with you uh, on this podcast, part one and part two, um, I, I, I say I, w- I want to thank her because I I think whether you admit it or not, you oh. know, she's unconsciously or consciously been uh, a part of the reason you kept yourself together. She is the entire reason that I have kept myself. She's not part of it. She is the reason. She is the whole reason that I am. She makes, because she makes me want to be better. She makes me want to be a better person and a better writer, a better performer, a better musician, a better everything. She is the reason. So it's good that we give her a shout out. Oh, she, yeah. Without a doubt. All right. 
I'm not gonna see that. No, don't you? No. You're gonna make sure she watches that. You're gonna. You're gonna. No, use that she'll as, never see this. She'll never see. That. <laughs> it's like it's just you drinking again. <laughs> wait, wait. I but, see but that we're every talking. Time. Wait till the end. Wait till the. Wait till the last wait three minutes. Wait till the comes out, honey. Uh, wait, wait till the last three minutes of the second hour. Right. Then, oh. then you'll see. Oh, that. you'll <laughs> see it all. It all comes together like a beautiful plan. <laughs> Have you ever heard the song? Uh, you know. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap things up. Charlie Weiner. Uh, Thank you. Or should I say Kim Zonneville? That's fine, too. Whichever, I am him, too. Whichever, because Kim Zonneville is the writer of these books. Charlie Weiner is the man that goes on stage and makes you laugh and also makes you think with his music. I mean, you, you got a lot going on. Real and I just want to say, I personally want to say thank you for having been uh, friends with you over all the years. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I got to tell you, Despite the fact that we've known each other for thirty plus years, right? Um, tonight is when I I, I I feel we've crossed a threshold where I really got to know you. Well, we never had. <laughs> it's like it's like you know you, you see each other and you're like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. the show. All right, see you later. Once a year, right? Right. You know the Christmas Anymore. show. Yeah, it's like once a year. And so we're both doing the Christmas, Christmas show. Nice. We're right. both going to do the Christmas show. We're going to do it. We're both hinting at the fact that it might be, might our, be our last last, one. last yeah. Christmas show. As we we'll pass, as the as we pass. Well, the, the young guys are coming along. Yeah, and I I feel like I feel like at this point, I'm taking up somebody's space. No, I don't know. Whatever. No, no, no. I don't think that's no. that's the case at all. But um, there's there's some uh, beautiful knowledge in the fact when when knowing it when it's time to step down. Yeah. You know, whatever. And, it's and, time. And, it's time to move on. Whatever. And, and, and let somebody else. I mean, I think right. I think that's that's not a sad thing. That's a smart oh, thing no. and a beautiful thing. So, but I personally want to thank you for being here, for driving down from Cleveland, for spending time with us, for making this a just a just a kick-ass podcast. We got we we got it all, man. We, we I think we at least we got most of it for now. You know. Now I got to go out and live more. Yeah, part so three is going to be just, oh, man. <laughs> I really don't know what, what what part three would, you know, well, we'll talk about your hobbies. <laughs> I don't have any. Shit in bottle. Right. <laughs> All right. I need to give a shout out to uh, Scott Keg. Uh, he gave us a five-star review, and he's he just, this is very, very simple. He says, wit, period. I love wit, period. Intelligent and funny with the sleeper deep subject, and I thought that was very apropos very for, nice. for, the for these part one and two. We 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 got deep, but it was fun. It was intelligent. Nope. Uh, so thank you, we, there, Scott. We tend to go down some rabbit holes. I don't know if you were expecting some of that, but I I don't expect anything. Yeah. I mean, I realistically, I swear to God, I love not having expectations because because it just opens up all possibilities. Right. When you have expectations. You corral yourself into this. If you have, if 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 you have no expectations, it's just nothing but possibilities. It's fun. All right. Well, you got a little bit left, Hansberry. You got a lot. Well, left. I'm I'm trying to nurse it before well, I got to finish yeah. my my finish my gig because you got a you don't have a big He's mouth a while fan. they're drinking. You don't have a big mouth. You hardly ever speak. <laughs> the Van Winkle. Let remind <laughs> you. He's drinking. Let me remind them to rate and review us. Rate and review us like Scott did. Thank you so much. Thank you. Your reviews help us, uh, you know, get exposed more to more people. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. uh, YouTube. Subscribe to us. And this is a two-parter. And this is fun because this maybe uh, we had. uh, This might be the first time we've ever had a live musician on. I know we had. uh, Well, give me that. Oh, uh, we had Schwabby. Schwabby on for earlier, but, but, but we played we, his oh, record. We played John but we Schwab's, played his record. He really wasn't live. Schwab. We played John Schwab's. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish we had time. I would tell you a Schwab story. I'll well, tell you a Schwab in, story. Well, Schwab's coming in back. Part three. Okay. Schwabby's been on the podcast and he's coming back. I, I will uh, tell you. For, right, I, I will tell you a very fun Schwabby story when we're done. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it's, it's very fun. It's just a cool part thing. three. Rate and review and share the love. And thank everybody. Yes. I also want to yes, thank you, John Whitney. Uh, I want to thank everybody who voted for us uh, in the Columbus Podcast Awards. Uh, the results we won't know until August, but uh, um, we feel pretty good about uh, the movement, if you will. For we were in the comedy the section of the movement. podcast. No, I've got a movement. Brewing, we've been here forever. I got a podcast of the year, the Columbus Podcast <laughs> Festival. 
Yeah, the Columbus Podcast that, Festival will be in August, and it will culminate with the Columbus Podcast Awards. So we'll see. And, and when is that? August? Uh, I, I think it's it, late August. I have it written but, down but, yeah, in, my, keep, in my book somewhere. Um, but I, you know, keep on the right. lookout because we're going to be uh, performing – a uh, uh, live we're gonna, uh, podcast we're, we're, we're at gonna, the Columbus Podcast Festival. Oh, I should festivals. get a guest. Yeah, maybe. Maybe part three. Part three. <laughs> Before you go to Europe. Uh, Europe. Oh. And I'm touring. Brushing away locks of hair that aren't there. I like that. All right, let me wrap it up and say that Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production. Recorded on the audio side by this lovely young gentleman, <laughs> Greg you. Hansberry. And on the video side, uh, John Whitney on the YouTube side. He does an excellent job. And, of course, our exceptional guest for these uh, two weeks of podcasting. It's been a joy. Charlie. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, may you live to be 110. Well, we got a couple of years. I know. You're, you're 107, <laughs> so three more. <laughs> And my friends, until the next bottle, whatever that might be, see ya. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.